are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Message this morning is titled A History Lesson. How many people hate history? Let me just see here. I, I hated it in school. How many people love history? All right, the majority. That's cool. <laughs> Whew. See, one thing um, we decided as a family is we, we do like a family blessing day, and we, we get to speak time of blessings into our children. But we wanted to kind of increase on that. And you know in the Bible, the, the Israelites would build Ebenezers, and Ebenezers were little statues of stones or little... Uh, 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 piles of stones, I guess. When the kids would go by them, they would say, Dad or Grandpa, what is this all about? And they would say, well, son, well, daughter, this reminds us of a time when the Lord did this. So in, in remembering that, we sat down with the grandparents, Effie and Hayward, and we said, guys, wouldn't it be so cool to, after supper for you guys to share with our kids God stories? You know what? How you found Jesus, what the Lord has done in your life. And we did that. And the kids got to ask questions and just kind of like, Grandma, Grandpa, tell us about the Lord. Tell us what happened. And it was such a great experience. If you haven't done that and you're able to do it, try it. It is really cool. And they start to ask all these type of questions. Life lessons are important. And God wants to lay out a map for us as people. God has the answers for our problems. God is the answer for our problems. You know what, Jesus tells us a story, a reminder of sorts, and we can find it in Luke chapter 17, if you'd open up your Bibles there this morning. He's sitting around talking with his disciples. He's sharing what is going to happen in the end times. Let us read, starting in verse 28. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went around their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it would be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out of the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And if you let your life go, you'll save it. The night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. You know what? As I read that, of course, I'm reminded that our time is short here. And we need to be prepared. And, and as I read and, and looked at the story of Lot, it blew me away how lackadaisical Lot was. In fact, the angels had to grab him and say, Now, fire's coming, get out of the city, and they grabbed and pulled him, and he was, just, he was just so comfortable being in his sin. But what really jumped out at me at this verse is verse 32. Jesus says, remember what happened to Lot's wife. Why does Jesus want us to remember that? See, back in the beginning in Genesis 13, the Bible talks about Abraham and Lot. They were journeying together. Things were going well. The flocks were growing. The families and animals were multiplying. And that caused some inward fighting. But, 
But Abraham walked in that place of love, and he says to his nephew Lot, he says, you know what, Lot? It's okay. Let's not let this stuff get in the way of our family. You know, I, I just see that so often that we or people allow stuff to get in the way of families. And it breaks my heart. My friends, I don't know if you've been jaded in the past. You know, I shared here a while ago, and I've only shared it one time, but I remember the bitterness that hit the Steves family. That's the, my last name, Steves, the Steves family. See, my dad, my dad's um, dad, his mom died when I, was, when I was about one years old. And he remarried, and he remarried a lady who wasn't very nice. And when my grandfather got sick, my dad went and visited him, and my grandpa grabbed on to my dad and says, I'm afraid of this lady. And when she died, he had his will, and it broke up things between the two sons, and, and this lady took everything and hid them. And when the people came to be able to get my father's inheritance, everything was gone. And my dad got two Christmas bulbs for his inheritance. Now, for a lot of people, that just, it just causes a riff. It causes, like, you know what? That's my money. That's my clock. That's my car. That's my, half of that house is mine. But the wisdom in Lot, the wisdom in Abraham to say, you know what? Let's not let this stuff get in our way. He says, Lot, nephew Lot, take a look at the land. And if you want to go left, I'll go right. And if you want to go right, I'll go left. So in Genesis 13, verse 10, we read, Lot took a long time and a long look at the fertile plants of the Jordan Valley, the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord of the beautiful land of Egypt. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them, and he went there with his flocks, his servants, and parted company with his uncle Abe. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinning against the Lord. Well, let's just, let's just pause there for a moment. Every single one of us in this room there's going to be times when we have to make big decisions in life. And when we survey the land, Lot surveyed for a long time, looking at Canaan, looking at the valley, and said, you know what, man? It's so green down there. It's so lush. It's so beautiful. I'm not going to have to work very hard. If I go this way, it is obvious that I'm going to be blessed. But we didn't read about him seeking the Lord in that decision. And we're going to go on to find out what the, the, the result is of the choice that he made. But my friends, when a decision comes in your way, now I know there's some times that a decision comes and you have to make an answer like that. But a lot of decisions, we can have time to pray, fast, seek the will of the Lord and say, God, not my will, Lord, you, your, your will be done. Because, Lord, you know, you know what happens if I go both ways, God. And, Lord, I want to honor you with my first fruits. God, I want to honor you in my life. My friends, that is so key. I remember when I was in Calgary and, 
and I was doing the youth pastor thing in Calgary and felt the stir to come to Cold Lake. And I talked to so many people, they're like, oh man, why would you ever want to leave Calgary? You've arrived. Calgary's the city. And there's just such that attitude in Calgary. And when I walked down there, you know what, we, we, we walked down there, and I remember being in Bible college, and I had a buddy of mine from Calgary who was in Edmonton, and he's like, oh, man, I never thought hell could freeze over, but look, it has. And it's just such a, a hatred there because Calgary was the city. It's the city where everybody wanted to live. And then when you say you're going to Cold Lake, Alberta, it's like, are you serious? What? You must not be in your right mind. You know, as, as, as Ernie was up there leading worship today, I was looking at those legs. And I'm like, Ernie, what is going on with that? You know what? And, and maybe, maybe when I made that decision, people would say, Lance, like, have you been bitten by mosquitoes and you got malaria because you're not in your right mind? But we walk in that place and we just say, God, we believe that you're calling us here. In fact, Cindy said to one person there, they said, you know what? Stop! The greatest revival that Canada has ever seen is going to come into Cold Lake, Alberta. And when that happens, he said, she says, if you're not nice to us, we're not going to let you stay at our house. <laughs> My friends, in the natural, it may not make sense. But when God orders the bill, he is faithful to pay the check. He is faithful to be able to come and give us the desires that are in our heart. But we need to be men and women of prayer. We need to be men and women who, who take seriously the kingdom of the Lord. It's at hand. So Lot gets closer and closer to Sodom. Every night he pitches his tents towards the city. That wicked city that is truly, in the fact, the Lord sends two angels to spare Lot and his family once they move into the city from destruction. And when the angels arrive, the Bible says in Genesis 19.4, but before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city, surrounded the house, and they shouted out to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. See, we don't like to talk about these scriptures. Because they're gross. We like to talk about grace. We like to talk about love. We like to talk about, hey, Jesus is awesome. Yes. But there's scriptures in there that make us go like, whoa. And you know what? The truth of the matter is in Canada, right now, there's such a an uprising on this whole thing. What is our stance? Brothers and sisters, I want, I'm here to tell you this morning that we are not to hate anybody. I don't care what their sexual orientation is. I don't care what clothing they wear. We are to love them. We are to come alongside of them and pray for them, but we are not to be transformed into the, the thinking of the world either because the biblical standard is our standard. That we can say, you know what? You may believe this. I totally disagree with you, but this is where I stand and I will not be swayed. Because we have so many wishy-washy people right now that's just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be looked upon badly or as a hate monger. Where's this hate mongering coming in? I don't see it. I see maybe a small group of people who rise up and do silly things. 
But yet, I do not see this hate-mongering thing where if you're a Christian and you have a stand for what God believes in, that you're a hater. In fact, if you're a hater, you're not walking by the will of God. We need to love, but we need to stand firm in our convictions and knowing what the Bible has to say on every issue that is out there today. The Bible says in the end times, many people will fall away. I wonder why. Is it because we're going to be so afraid to be painted? Is persecution coming to Canada? I don't know, but it's possible. Lord, what will my heart be then? God, can I stand in that place of love? You want to do a little bit of study for yourself? One of the most I think incredible men of the Bible is Stephen. And when the apostles picked Stephen, it says they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith. And here's Stephen, and he starts to share the Bible. He starts, and they're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, and then he just kind of goes, and this is who I am and why I stand. And everybody gets so upset, they just start throwing the stones. And they stone him. My friends, who are you? Who's your Lord? What makes you tick? So Lot is getting closer and closer and closer till he's living in the city. And it's a city, the Bible says, of complete wickedness. But the Lord still goes and saves Lot's family. When Lot hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them safely outside the city. For the Lord was merciful when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. And on the way out, Lop's wife stops and looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. Who are you? What is your future? Does your past hang over you like a dark cloud? I think one of the things that the enemy uses over and over and over again is our past. Lot's wife was so caught up in the city. And even though the angel said, don't look back, keep running forward, she stopped and she looked back. This is what I had. It's being destroyed. And she died. And my friends, there's many people in this place that have skeletons in their closet. And every day you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror and there's something you hate about it. Because you can say, you know what, the Bible says that I'm good. The Bible says that Jesus loves me and I'm forgiven. But I don't know if it's true because I know who I am and I know what I've done. My friends, if that's you this morning, I'm here to declare this morning that your past cannot dictate your future. Your past is in the past. You know what? One of the most spiritual, biblical lines of a movie I've ever seen in my life is from The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Old Rafiki, the, the monkey. Little Simba's sitting there, and he's, and he's playing, and Rafiki takes his club, and he smacks the lion in the head. And he goes, ow, 
What was that for? He says, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. But friends, don't let your past dictate your future. We've all got things that we're ashamed of. We all got things that's kind of like, man, if I could have a do-over, I sure would take it. But if you allow your past to dictate your future, you're going to come up short. Because it's very possible that Jesus, I don't know your, heart, your past, was not in your past. Or maybe you were a Christian and you still messed up, and that's where the grace of forgiveness comes in there. But Jesus is our future. And he wants to put us on a path of greatness. And he wants to take our hearts and change them and mold them. But every once in a while, the enemy says, no, that's not who you are. You can't walk in freedom because I know what you've done. And we kind of shrink down and say, man, if anybody ever found out, maybe even if my wife found out, if my husband found out, they'd be so upset with me. My friends, stand up. Say, you know what, I've been bought with a price. It says in Isaiah that, you know, I take that, that wood is just crimson and I make it as white as snow. We're a new creation. Everything has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That's our God. He's a redeemer. So what can we learn from this? Where's the history lesson here, Pastor? Let's keep reading about a family that is totally dysfunctional because you know what? Before it gets better, sometimes it gets worse. So the wickedness continues. The city's now destroyed. All the men have been wiped out of Sodom and Lot's daughters are afraid that they're not gonna get what they've always wanted, an opportunity to be able to be a mom. So they decide to get their father drunk and they lay with him. And they both become pregnant, birthing enemies of Israel. As a result, verse 36, as a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. And he became the ancestor of a nation known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter became, gave birth to a son, she named him Benemi. And he became the ancestor of a nation now known as the Ammonites. What do you think? Pretty gray, hey? Pretty dark, lacks potential. Man, I'd go as far as saying, wow, maybe the dysfunction in my family really isn't that bad. God's timing's perfect. But in the midst of his darkness, in the midst of dysfunction, do you know that God had an absolutely amazing plan? Let's continue to look at his story. For the redemption is found in Ruth 1, 22. See, the book of Ruth is a story about Ruth. Do you know that Ruth was a Moabite woman? So if she was a Moabite woman, who was she from? The tribe of Lot. We read this in Ruth 1.22. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the, uh, of the barley harvest. She was a descendant of Lot, a Moabite, the Moabites and the Ammonites were wicked people. So being a Moabite, she was from the ancestor of Lot, but there was a problem. The Lord had deemed that the Moabite people were wicked. 
The Bible says in Amos 2.1, this is what the Lord says, the people of Moab have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They desecrated the bones of Edom's king, burning them to ashes. Deuteronomy 23.3, no Ammonite or Moabite or any other descendant for 10 generations may be admitted in the assembly of the Lord. That's pretty strong. So Ruth, who's Ruth? Ruth was married to the son of Naomi, who was a Jewish lady who moved to Moab with her husband. In the time in Moab, Ruth's husband passed, and she was now, uh, uh, she, uh, Ruth, um, Naomi's boys uh, married, married in there. One of them married Ruth, and, she, and he passed away, and now we have uh, Ruth as a widow, and she's clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi releases her, says, you know what? I'm not going to bear any more children. I release you. Go back to your mother. Go back to that place. Remarry. And something absolutely amazing happens with the story of Ruth. It's found in verse 16. Ruth replies, don't ask me to leave you and turn my back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. So what? There's one thing in there that just, again, pops out so much. Lord, I want you to be my God. Naomi, let your God be my God. And right at that moment, there was a transformation. So what does that do? You see, Ruth has an opportunity to look back. She has an opportunity to go home to what's familiar, to the past. <coughs> Excuse me. But she lets go of everything and says, Naomi, I'm committed to you so much that your God will be my God. The end of the story is found through a man named Boaz. Boaz takes Ruth to be his bride. And we're going to read their lineage in Matthew chapter 1. Their lineage is the, the whole genealogy that we skip over in the Bible. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amimadab. Amimadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. King David's line is where Jesus came from. You see, here we have Ruth, a Moabite woman, an enemy of the Lord. And instead of going back to the past, she says, you know what? I'm going to look forward. I'm going to, your God will be my God. I will do this. And all of a sudden, Jesus takes that. He, he takes that whole messed up, that whole dysfunction, that whole gross stuff that we read about, and Jesus is born from that lineage. Who are you? Where are you looking? Are you looking forward to where God is? Or are you looking at the past that determines your, your failures? Your future can be better than your past for Jesus in your future. 
The enemy wants you to think that your past is going to define you. Back there is sin, but looking forward in their life, there was redemption. Looking back, there was curses, but looking forward, there were blessings. Looking back was judgment, but looking forward was mercy. Looking back, there was regret, but looking forward was purpose. Looking back, there was a lot, but looking forward, there's a Jesus. My friends, where are you looking? What determines who you are? Jesus says, remember Lot's, uh, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Don't look back. But look forward. Knowing who Jesus is. Knowing what your future is. Walking in that place and saying, Jesus, my past is in the past. And God, I ask forgiveness for that, Lord. And Lord, it's never to be remembered again. And when the enemy kind of starts to bring that up, says, no, 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 excuse me, excuse me. But the Bible says, the Bible's truth, and it says that it's cast away never to be remembered again. That's what God promises. Do you know God's got promises for us? God is crazy about you. Those dreams, those desires, we could sit in that place and say, you know what, God, they're for somebody else, they're not for me. God, I'm not worthy, Lord. And the Lord is saying, I died on the cross for you. There is nothing else I could give you. I have given you everything. And I'm absolutely crazy about you. Where does your mind go? When all of a sudden the enemy starts to whisper to us, we can say, you know what? Lord, your word tells me to take captive of every thought and make it subjective to Christ. And Lord, I'm not going to go to the past. Lord, I'm not going to look back. But God, I want to keep my eyes upon you, God. Knowing that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. You're my everything. You're my hope. You're my shelter. You're my refuge. And I submit to your lordship, God. You know how the Bible says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear? But what? Love, power, and sound mind. Joyce Myers did a whole study on a battlefield of the mind, and I do believe that the battle is won and lost here. Because if you can believe the father of lies then already we're defeated. But if you can stand up and say, you know what, Lord? I want to receive your truth this morning because I'm sick and I'm tired of listening to junk, to listening to lies. And Lord, I need to focus on you who has taken me from an orphan and adopted me as a son and has adopted me as a daughter. 
That's who you are. We are of a royal lineage, a royal priesthood. He has bought us with a price. And the price was dear. So my friends, today I think we need to make some declarations. Declarations are powerful. Declarations are, are things that we kind of like, we write down and we say, I used to be this, but I'm no longer that. This is who I am now. And maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what, Pastor? My whole life I've just felt small. I felt short. I felt out of the will of God. I felt insecure around his presence. Because I know what I've done and I know who I am, and I can't forgive myself. Well, this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to say, you know what? I've forgiven you. It's a free gift if you take it this morning. And if that's you this morning, you don't need to stand up and say, this is what I've done, because who cares? It's gone. But you can stand up this morning and say, Lord, I surrender to your lordship. And Lord, I'm looking forward this morning. I'm going to stop looking back. And if that's you this morning, stand to your feet with me right now. We're not going to belabor this. Stand to your feet right now and say, Lord, I'm choosing you. God, I'm choosing you for my future. I will no longer allow my past to dictate who I am. I will no longer allow this father of lies to whisper lies and untruths into my ears. But I'm going to believe the truth of God, that I am a new creation, that I've been bought with a price, and I am a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So Father, I just pray for every single one standing this morning in this room. That Lord, you would just come in this place right now and wash over us, God. That, Lord, we would ask your forgiveness, God, for believing lies. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, for listening to the word of the, of the Father of lies. And, God, we stand here right now before your presence, God, and we say, Lord, we're looking forward. No more looking back. We are going to remember Lot's wife. And, Lord, we are going to stand in that place where we understand that Jesus Christ is in our future. And Jesus Christ is our hope. And Jesus Christ is our future. And, Lord, we need you. We desire your presence, God. We desire your will, Lord. I believe as the Holy Spirit is speaking right now, and if you listen with your spiritual ears, God is calling people champions this morning. God is calling people sons this morning, daughters this morning, overcomers.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.